What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We promised you last week that we would be back this week to recap the Combine, and that is exactly what we are here to do. Um, you know, the three of us have kind of discussed a lot of players since the Combine has come to an end. Uh, some disappointments, some uh, successful players. So, um, Let's go sort of position by position. I want to start with running back because that was a position where, other than Saquon Barkley, who we already knew would be a, a top three draft pick, other than him, no one really ha- had a great day at the Combine. I don't know what happened with Ronald Jones running a four six six. Something's up there, I, I have to think. But, um, yeah, no. Will you kind of I'll, I'll talk, you I'll can, talk about it yeah time. you kind of nailed it last week Will on a uh, Sonny Michelle being a, an above four five one back so um you know with running back previously kind of being thought of as a position that the Titans would be able to upgrade in the second round uh, do those numbers concern you is it good because it might make them fall or does that now mean that the Titans should probably go the free agency route. Uh, it's weird because in the NFL, it's kind of been proven that you can win a bunch of different ways at running back. Uh, we talked to Jim Coburn about that, and he said that like the only two successful running backs that have been kind of slower plotters and stuff at the combine has been uh, Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry, and the Titans just so happened to you know have them both at the time. So it, we we've seen that you don't necessarily have to be the fastest or you know run a certain time to really like pass fail you but it, Sony Michelle would fit really good in this offense he does a few things really well that fit this scheme perfectly he runs zone read you know so I would still tend to go to the draft and you know you kind of said it I hope this makes him fall a little bit but the problem is as nobody really moved up to take his place so if Sony Michelle was going to fall and actually fall down draft boards it would have been great for you know Rashad Penny to like break some kind of record or be amazing or, or, you know, somebody to just step in and, you know, take over that spot or be such an athletic freak that, you know, you couldn't ignore him. But I, I don't think we saw that this weekend. It, it wasn't a disappointing group necessarily as a whole. It's just sometimes you expect a guy to just be like, okay, this guy, and there, there were a couple that we might talk about in a second, but there was nobody at really the glance positions that we were like wow you know this guy's john ross where he's just faster than everybody else or this guy's jj watt where he just tested through the roof as a pass rusher so Mm. yeah i mean as far as running back goes i always lean to go uh in the draft for running backs just because i think that's where you get the most bang for your buck having said that Somebody, uh, I think it was Justin Mosqueda, just put out a bunch of tweets about how running backs get paid like kickers now. So where they used to get paid like guards, while offensive line play is getting paid more, running backs are 
getting paid less. So it, we might see a trend in the next two or three years where it makes more financial sense just to go out and buy a cheap free agent running back instead of spending the draft pick. Yeah, so uh, before we get anywhere, I'm going to defend my guy, Ronald Jones. So I was watching the, I was watching the 40-yard dash. Uh, they were going through it, and then Ronald Jones came up, and I was really excited because uh, I've liked what I've seen from him in college and uh, after college just watching the, his film. Uh, and I really like what he could bring to the Titans offense. Uh, and midway through his run, he starts pulling up. Uh, and he starts, uh, I don't know if he was exactly grabbing at his leg, uh, but he, he was just like pulling back and stuff like that. Uh, so he pulled it, ended up pulling his hamstring. Uh, the fact that he even ran a four, six, six is pretty amazing. Uh, despite the fact that he was, um, he was going half speed for, for, for half of that, half of that, that run. Um, I do agree that no one really stood out, uh, at the running back position, uh, except for maybe like, uh, Kalen Ballage from Arizona state, um, who seems to be a, a speed specimen, really. Um, but, I mean, he, he never had a full workload um, in college. Uh, he, he, he is a pretty good uh, pass catcher and pretty good in the pass game, so he can intrigue the Titans. Um, and also Rashad Penny from San, Di- San Diego State. Um, he had a good comment as well. Um, someone I really wanted to see, um, we've, we talked about him last um, last podcast, was Mark Walton from, uh, from the University of Miami. He had a really rather disappointing time he ran a 4 6 40 um and i'm hoping this pushes him down uh because i i still believe in his talent um he could work through contact has fantastic balance and is really good in the pass game uh both in pass protection and catching the ball and even despite um his athletic testing um if you go to pro- playerprofiler.com his best comparable right now is Devonte freeman so it it goes to show that even though uh a player may test poorly athletically uh they can still definitely carve out a role in the nfl and to your point will on drafting being better value it really has been the last couple of years this past year we got uh, alvin kamara and uh, uh kareem hunt as mid to late round picks the year before that we saw jordan howard who's one of the better backs in the nfl so i, I completely agree with that notion will that uh there is a lot of um value to be found late in the draft at that position but let's move on for a second to inside linebacker hold off pass rushers for just another minute um, obviously Shaquem Griffin is the name that, that comes out of the combine having run a 4-3-8 but Matias you've kind of talked about this what is he is he a tweener is he a will do we play him at safety uh, so and, and you know the elephant in the room he only has one hand so where do you mm-hmm. think his his uh He's going to end up in the draft, number one. And uh, number two, what is he? And uh, also, a couple other inside linebackers, especially Malik Jefferson, uh, really showed out this weekend, too. So I'll just kind of leave you with those mm-hmm. thoughts and let, let you pick what you want to, to hit on. Okay, so Shaquem Griffin, uh, after his combine performance, he pretty much tore it up. Uh, I mean, a four three eight forty is just insane. Uh, for a player his size, and especially a linebacker in general. Um, I'm not totally sure where he's going to go, but I think this might push him maybe into the late second round, early third round area. Um, where would I take him? I would take it. I would take him second round and not not bat an eye. 
Uh, I mean, if you ever watched him in college, you know the type of player he is, what type of effort he gives you, and how he, how he can he can beat he can beat uh, offensive tackles. And if you don't trust him, and you don't trust that his size um, and his and his uh, pass rushing ability is going to translate to the next level, uh, then just play him at inside back inside linebacker or outside linebacker, whichever um, uh, scheme you're playing, um, because he's playing fast enough, plenty athletic enough. Um, and he's just, he's the full package. And regardless, even if he doesn't work out, um, on the defensive side of the ball, as much as you would hope, uh, you're going to get a fantastic special teams player because his effort, his motor, um, his athletic ability, his speed and his tackling ability is, is right up there with the best prospects in this class. So, um, I don't know what exactly we're allowed to condone and not condone on this podcast. Podcast, but uh, there's a, a sports book called Bovada, which I, I enjoy looking at, and they've got some fun information. And they have uh, prop bets starting to come out on the draft, and one of them is essentially, do you think that Shaquem Griffin will get drafted before the beginning of the fourth round? And for me, that just seems like you it's know easy, easy money. money. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no reason why he shouldn't get drafted. I mean. Let's let's think about teams that you know have drafted compensatory picks in the third round before. You know you're not getting all stars there, so why not a conservative team like the Bengals who have a third a compensatory third round? You know somebody who needs more athleticism at linebacker can use better special teams and you know has the picks to do it, but doesn't want to take a big risk. Get a guy like Griffin who can be you know. A star special teams player will be the spark plug to your defense when he's out there. Go get him. It doesn't make any sense not to. He's an athletic freak. The one thing he can't do, you know, effectively, I guess, is bench press. And that's all theoretical because when he got on the bench press, he did 20 reps. So (laughs) I know there's a big kind of – not really an argument, but there's a question right now on if the league will let him use a prosthetic uh, on his hand in the NFL, but he didn't use it in college. So Yeah, at, he didn't need it. Yeah, at it, it, worst, he stays the same that he's always been, and at best, he gets something that gives him an, an advantage. I know they've talked about giving him something that's the equivalent of a club, like not an actual club, but like a like taped-up cast, which is called a club on people's hands. Um something the equivalent of that just you know to give him something to kind of help fight off stuff but i mean if they give him that it'll be like giving somebody a weapon on the field i, I mean i don't i don't know and, how and long here's the, here's the thing uh and uh if any player any linebacker of his size with his production ran the 438 and had all of the other measurables we'd be talking about a top 10 draft pick right Exactly. It all it all comes down to the hand. This you you can't make a deal about the tweener. You can't you know. It all comes down to how you feel about the hand. There there's no. You cannot tell me that the reason you don't want to take him high is because of something else. I guess you can make a small gripe about his size. Um, I guess he's a little undersized. He's like six foot. Uh, 230, I think, 227. So, I mean, that's kind of a weird area uh, for a linebacker. But, I mean, what's Jayon Brown? He's like six foot 232. So, yeah. Um, about the same. Only so, difference is Jayon Brown went fifth round, but he didn't have the type of 
production that Shaquem Griffin did. Yeah, like, okay, so Griffin's been a two-year starter, and he's got 33 and a half sacks and 18, or thir- sorry, 33 and a half tackles for loss and 18 and a half sacks. And, I mean, it, it hadn't proven an issue for him in the past. In, in his last two years, he has two interceptions which is exactly as many as Miles Jack had in his last two years. And everybody was talking about how he was a freak in coverage. Now, I know interceptions aren't everything and, you know, whatever. But at the same time, I mean, if you have the ability to produce one interception a year at linebacker, you're pretty good. I mean, you just don't get a lot of picks at linebacker. Yeah. And I don't know. He had one in 2015, too. So he's had three in the last three years. As a rotational guy, like as a special teams guy who just got on the field. So, I mean. Without a hand. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) there's there's so many linebackers who don't have any interceptions. when they. I mean, what was it? Monte Teo had zero going into his senior year, right? And then he had a whole bunch and it got him moved up draft boards. But, like. I don't care about interceptions with linebackers. I just don't. It's, It's an unimportant stat. It's a bonus. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it's it's real weird. It's it's one of those things where general managers are – there's always three or four who are adventurous and who will make that kind of decision and pull that trigger. But, but at the same time, GMs are so scared of going to the clubhouse with other GMs and getting made fun of because they drafted the guy with one hand, which is stupid. Don't, don't be afraid to do something different when everything on film and everything on paper tells you that it'll work. Be the smart guy that's – innovative and makes the right decision also if you want to talk about a john robinson guy yeah king griffin seems like the quintessential john robinson guy he i mean really you can go i'm sure it's before the uh the josh norse tweet where shaquem griffin is in like the 90th snap of the game uh and he's the fastest player on the field and he's chasing down the quarterback so that's mm-hmm. a that's the kind of guy you're gonna get and also just a completely humble guy a uh, very nice person, and it seems like a totally uh, team-friendly guy. So keep that yeah. in mind. So um, pass rushers, uh, obviously a position that the Titans need something extra at going into next year, whether it's a starter or a, a depth piece. They need something. And so uh, Bradley Chubb, I mean, we know he's going to be a, a top 10, top, maybe even top 5 draft pick. Um, but as for the other guys, who do you think uh, really set themselves apart? Obviously, Harold Landry is someone that had a lot of success. But um, who do you think set themselves apart? Uh, well, someone I t- – I don't know if I talked about him on the podcast, but I wrote an article uh, about two Georgia Bulldogs to keep an eye on at the combine. One of them was Sony Michelle. Uh, he didn't impress like I thought he would, but that's perfectly fine. He's still going to be a great football player. And the other one was Lorenzo Carter, um, who's a, a defensive end outside linebacker type who played at Georgia. Uh, he was the rotational player, uh, mostly a pass rusher, but also a pretty good run defender. Uh, and he tore up the combine. I mean, I knew he was athletic um, at his size. He he came in at 6'5", 250, uh, about what I expected. He was listed. 6'6", six, six, but I mean, that's not a big deal. That's that's normal. But I mean, running a 4.5 flat uh, at that height and that weight, and then jumping 36 inches on, on the vertical, 130 inches on a broad jump, 
I mean, that is everything you look for uh, in a guy that size. Well, no, you're usually not expecting that in a guy that size. Yeah. Um, and he he does some things on tape that that you do like. Uh, the only concern really is just uh, will he be that uh, consi- a consistent producer at the next level because he never really got the opportunity to be uh, an every-down guy, and he was used in spots. But, I mean, that's, that's kind of nitpick. I, I I don't know if I would take him at 25. I think that's a little rich for my for my taste. But definitely at the back end of the second round, I would I I would look hard at him. So I don't know. It, it's tough because I really wanted Hercules Mata Alpha to have a good combine, and honestly, Sam Hubbard had the combine that I thought Mata Alpha would have. He had that sub seven uh, three cone, which is great. I mean. The one knock I've had on Hubbard kind of all year is he was an effort guy that won more. He, he reminded me a lot of uh, Kyle Vandenbosch, but without that quick burst and able, ability to bend, which you know was kind of what made the difference from Vandenbosch being a seven-sack-a-year guy to a 12-sack-a-year guy. So I thought he would test really poorly and – Anything under seven seconds is great, and Hubbard got something like a six eight six, six eight five, six eight four, six eight four. And, and I mean, it mm-hmm. was like that was so not the number I was expecting to see. And I went back and watched him, and I still don't see it on tape. But you know, may, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's something he can do. Maybe a coach can get with him when work. And that's the dangerous thing to say because you never want to say maybe a coach can get more out of him than what his tape shows. But it's what general managers are gonna think. Yeah. So, if they, if there's somebody who stood out to me on tape and or who stood out to me at the combine who overperformed, it has to be him because I thought for sure, you know, he keeps getting mocked to the Titans in the first round because Vrabel went there and mm-hmm. you know when he coached him for a year and he's a bit position in need and he's kind of a solid guy. And they've seen us draft guys like Carl Klug in the past. I was like, so we're going to get that. We're going to get him and keep getting him. And I, I just thought this would be the big time where we started seeing mocks where he dropped out of the first round. But now, I mean, with the connections to Ohio State, we're not going to stop seeing Hubbard in the first round of the Titans up until the day of the draft. I mean, he, he might not be the right pick, but for people who have seen those numbers and have a first round grade on him, there's just it's just too easy to mock him to the Titans. Yeah. It, so it, it's it's hard. You, I just don't I don't see it. I don't think that he's a John Robinson guy. But at the same time, I know people are going to think he's the Mike Vrabel guy. And until John Robinson proves everybody wrong and goes another way, it's just what we're going to hear a lot of. Well, do you think do you consider him an edge? Because I mean, he weighed in at 270 pounds. Like I was not expecting him to be to be that big yeah i mean that's a good question i think he's gonna i mean i think he's gonna get a lot of you know jj watt that you know that kind of bigger base end kind of mm-hmm. comp because isn't he isn't he six 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 and a half or not six six, 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 six five two seventy i think he weighed in yeah, yeah i mean he he's kind of a bigger longer guy He's get, what they're going to say is they're going to say he's big enough to play uh, a five tech if they want to go into a three man look, and he's athletic enough because we've seen it on paper now to where he can play four three defensive end. 
And that's not wrong, but I don't think he does. I would much rather, based on film, have Mata Afa come in and play anywhere on the defensive line than I would Hubbard. But but yeah. like I said, if we're just talking about who stood out most from the combine, he and Josh Sweat had big combines. And I, I don't love either one of them. I don't think their tape is good enough to justify top you know, 40 picks for either and sweat. I don't really think should be a top day two guy, but I think it, I think these numbers are going to get him drafted high. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it earlier, but uh, about Matoff and uh, he, I wouldn't say he had a disappointing combine, but I guess maybe we were just expecting a more athletic player because on tape, we just see a really quick guy that just beats everyone that's in front of him. Um, um, and another guy who I think had a rather disappointing combine was uh, Akaronk, Oklahoma, who I liked. Uh, his first 40-yard dash was brutal. It was a 4.89. Um, thankfully, he ended up with a 4.77. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it really, it really wasn't all that bad. I guess I was just expecting a little bit more because on tape, I see some of these guys, um, and they just look so athletic. Um, so strong and, and and honestly just so good at football uh, that that you hope that the measurables match up with that. Uh, but a lot of the times it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I just looked it up because um, I was curious. J.J. Watt weighs 290 pounds, which seems heavy. And Derek Morgan weighs 261 pounds, which seems about right. So if, if you're, you know, talking about – you know, guys, there there's comps that he's going to draw that are probably guys that weigh 250 pounds, but general managers are going to see him in that range and think, yeah, I mean, guys like Derek Morgan and not J.J. Watt, but, you know, just in terms of a size perspective, guys who've moved around a lot. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's tough because, like I say, it's, it's weird to take this kind of stance on a guy who I like fine. I like Hubbard a lot. Like, if Hubbard was our second-round pick, I'm okay with that. If we go yeah. late Vander Esch in the first round and, and Sam Hubbard in the second round, I think that's a good draft. So I, I think he can play defensive end. I just think he's more of a seven-sack guy than a 12-sack guy. And that's not a knock, but it's just, just not a dominant edge rusher, which is what you should be looking for in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So um, let, let's shift gears into free agency. Because um, obviously that that's coming up next week. Um, I don't know that we'll have a podcast in the middle of that, just because I'm sure all of us are going to be so busy. But um, you know, let, let's sort of look ahead because it is really like the busiest one two days of the year. Mainly because the draft. You know, you know when <laughs> X team is going to be picking, uh, and, and you know when it's going to come, and you can wait it out and all that stuff. But when it comes to free agency, like the tampering period starts on Monday, and I think the actual free agency period kicks off on Wednesday. And the thing about free agency is, like, you never know when anything is going to happen. Like, I was up really late that uh, the first day of free agency last year. The Titans signed Trawick and Darren Bates and waited and waited and waited, and nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, this has been long enough. I'm just going to, you know, go to bed, worry about whatever happens tomorrow. I literally hit my pillow and my phone buzzes breaking Logan Ryan signed by the Titans. So yeah, that, I mean, that's just the nature of free agency. That was a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, 
I think we all kind of have some players that we like and we would pound the table for. Mine is Allen Robinson. We'll get to him and maybe some other receivers in a second. But er, look, looking at this free agent class, which I don't have a very strong overall opinion of, uh, how do you guys feel? And what players do you think the Titans should be looking at? Uh, I don't love it. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, there really aren't guys that I'm just like, oh, my God, we just have to have these players. They're going to make us into a super Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure John Robinson feels the same way, but he's approached free agency uh, in the same way that that thought process is um, in the past because he hasn't splashed money for anyone. Uh, Logan Ryan, I guess, is the only one that he splashed, but it was only $10 million uh, per year. <laughs> um, so so this does seem like tailor-made for, for, for John Robinson to just pick, uh, pick solid role players that he could get on pretty decent team-friendly deals. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we should attack probably wide receiver. Uh, one of you is going to talk about Allen Robinson, I'm sure. Sammy Watkins also, um, as long as we can get him on under $10 million per year, uh, I'd, I'd be fine with that because he's only 24. Um, and, and when he's gotten opportunities, he, he's been very good. Uh, and he's been uh, borderline dominant when he, when he does get um, enough opportunities. Um we could use a guard too. Uh, Andrew Norwell is the popular pick, um, but I don't. I don't know. I just don't love. I don't love spending money on a guard. I, I will. I'll, I'll. I'll give you one um, that I talked about uh, before the podcast, and it's uh, Pernell McPhee. Uh, he was just released by the by the Bears um, on February 26, and uh, he used to play with defensive coordinator Dean Pease, um, who was with the Ravens, um, and McPhee was a, a player under Pease. Um, back then, and McPhee's been a pretty good pass rusher throughout his entire career. Um, he could play a little bit. Um, he, he could play on the line or he on the edge. He's a little bit. He's a little bit bigger at this point in his career to play uh, to play on the edge. But I mean, considering Mike Vrabel's gonna gonna bring forth this front mul- multiplicity defense, I think McPhee uh, is definitely a logical connection. Yeah, um, I like McPhee a lot. I think. I think that John Robinson showed last year that he wants to have that third guy off the bench. So I'm not sure if the Titans want to draft somebody and make Derek Morgan or Brian Arakpo that guy. I'm not sure if they want to make it like a pure three-man rotation, like it kind of looked like they were doing with Kevin Dodd in his first year. I'm really, really, really interested to see kind of how they deal with the uh, edge rusher position. Um, this year, but I think McPhee's a good guy to kind of be that Eric Walden role if they want, you know, a third guy to be a stand-up three technique and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the guy I would pick is Josh Sitton, and I think I've talked about this before. I think Josh Sitton is a known quantity. I think you can bring him in and say he's been. I think he's been in the Pro Bowl at right and left guard, which is really rare. Um, so I think you can say, okay, I want you to go over to the right side and let Quentin Spain stay on the left side, and we're going to train Corey Levin as hard as we can because we know he's athletic enough, and we're going to try to get him to be a starter one day. And as soon as he's gone or as soon as he's ready, you know, we're going to cut you. But until then, this is what they're thinking, not necessarily what they tell him. But um, and until then, we're going to pay you a – good amount of money you know seven eight million dollars a year because he's a good player and we're going to fix our offensive line and we're going to fix it with somebody who understands zone blocking schemes so we can say you know 
if you're running, let's just, let's just say you're running stretch right. He knows when he's supposed to go up to the next level. He knows when he needs to turn and take a guy. And that kind of experience can help mesh that whole line because you kind of know, okay, Sitton's going to take this guy because that's what he's told us he's going to do. And then you can start working backwards from there. So I, I would really like to have somebody who's done a lot of zone blocking on the offensive line. And he's just a really good player. Now, if you pay him top five guard money, he's going to be overpaid. But an overpaid guard who's still a good guard is fine. That's not that's not a big deal. It doesn't destroy your cap because you're only overpaying by about a million or a million and a half a year. So I think he's the kind of guy I can see John Robinson spending money on, like Logan Ryan, just a known commodity who may not you know, be an all-pro or who may not have these huge street, streaks of dominance, but who's going to be a really good player and a really good fit with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to pound the table on Allen Robinson for a second because, uh, you know, I hate, do it. I, I hate, I hate spinning big in free agency. You guys know that. But at the same time, when it comes to Robinson, I just think there is, there's just so much potential just for to, to have an elite number one receiver. And obviously, you know, they poured resources into Corey Davis last offseason. But, I mean, Allen Robinson, when when he's been healthy, which other than his ACL, he has been healthy. I mean, he's just a dominant receiver. I mean, there's there's nothing that he doesn't do well. He, 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 um, he catches everything that's near him. He's a jump ball threat. He he's fast. He 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 threatens all three areas of the field: shallow, mid, and, and, and down the field. I just think that it's rare, especially with his age at just twenty four, that a player like Robinson becomes available. And I just think you don't want to pass up on that. This isn't Alshon Jeffrey last year who had character problems. This isn't Terrell Pryor who had played receiver for one year. This is a proven commodity, a term you guys have used a lot. We know what he is, and what he is is an elite football player who had his best year with Blake Bortles at quarterback. Uh, yeah, so if anyone tries to tell you that he's not proven, um, well, we'll tell them this. Uh, his rookie year, he only played 10 games. Uh, then he broke out in 2015. 2016, he struggled. Uh, and the reason he struggled at times was because Blake Bortles was his quarterback. And that's pretty much the only reason, because whenever he's been on the field, he's been absolutely dominant. Um, and Titans fans can attest to that. Back in his breakout season, he went over 100 yards in both of the Titans games. And one of them, he scored three touchdowns. Um, and I'll give you another stat here. Here are the only players with 1,400 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns in a single season at age 22 or younger. Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Allen Robinson. Boom. Yeah, it's a great stat. I, I love that. That's I, I love that stat. Um, this is not as fun, but it is kind of a good way to put it in perspective. His worst season, uh, he averaged eleven point four yards per reception. Uh, that's a full, almost a full yard and a half more than Jarvis Landry's career yards per catch. <laughs> so his worst year is better than what you're getting on average with Jarvis Landry, and it's also better than three of four of Jarvis Landry's years. So, and his best year, he had 12.1. So, I mean, 
I, the best way I can explain it is this. For a long time, I guess that whole three-year stretch, when I watched the team, I wasn't afraid of any of their running backs. I wasn't afraid of Mercedes Lewis at tight end. I wasn't afraid of the quarterback. I was afraid of somebody throwing a deep helmet married to Allen Robinson and him going up and getting it over everybody else because he yeah. would. I mean, <laughs> he looked like he was a quarterback away from being a breakout wide receiver, and he just never got that quarterback. And for some reason, people are upset because all he's done is just be, you know, almost averaging 1,000 yards as a receiver with Blake Bortles. And when Blake Bortles was good for that year, he was an amazing receiver. I mean, 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. I mean – and it wasn't like he was getting red zone targets and going up and getting getting the ball, and that's the only way he was getting touchdowns. He was doing that, but he was also he also had a ninety yard touchdown uh, that year, which is insane. It's just it's really weird how quickly we forget people who are dominant, and a lot of it happens because we assume that uh, injuries you know are impossible to come back from, or that you know maybe he's two years out from being as good as he can be. If he gives you an 800-yard year next year and a 1,400-yard year the year after that, it doesn't matter what you pay him. He's he's worth the money. I mean, that's that's what a dominant receiver generally looks like in the NFL. So I, I do not want another wide receiver on this team necessarily. I don't think it's as big a need as everybody else does. I would go after quarterback, corner, all, all these other positions first because I think we have depth issues at other places. And I think that's what you would need when you were, you know, if you're John Robinson in free agency as a depth wide receiver. But if you can get Allen Robinson, that's a true number one wide receiver. I don't have any problem going out and getting that guy. Yeah. So um, here's my, let me set um, a quand. I don't know. I don't know. Just let me set this forth. If you're going to pay, I couldn't come up with it. Anyway, if you're going to pay $16 million a year for a wide receiver, are you going to pick a, a slot wide receiver who's slow and whenever he catches the ball, he goes backwards because he's trying to get more yards and he usually doesn't get more yards, but he'll catch pretty much every pass that goes your, his way? Or do you want a big, tall receiver who's fast, can beat you at every level of the field, and can erase inaccuracy and also can score a bunch of touchdowns? You're taking the second one. So right. give me Allen Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean— if, you, if you're designing a game plan and you're going after Jarvis Landry, you don't have to really shift your game plan. All you've got to make sure is you keep your guy in front of you and you tackle. If you're playing Allen Robinson, you have to dictate extra coverage to him or else you're going to get beat deep. I mean, he's just going to beat you with the speed and then go over the top of you and catch it. It's it's weird to me that people think that there's this correlation between yards and dominance. It's not yards and dominance. It's yard per catch and dominance and touchdowns. That Those are what correlate to dominance. Not, I mean, anybody can be a thousand-yard receiver in the NFL if you want to force-feed them the ball. Not everybody can catch, you know, 14 yards per catch or have 14 touchdowns or something like that. So anytime you can force a defensive coordinator to have to adjust and play a certain way, you've started out with an advantage that, you know, just doesn't come from any other position. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Watkins is a name, Will, that you've thrown around a little bit. Um, I like the idea. Obviously, I would prefer Allen Robinson. Um, how do you feel about that situation? 
I mean, Watkins, Watkins is good. I mean, he's young. He's athletic. It, again, it's it's weird how we forget how dominant people can be. He had a really good rookie year, and then after that, everything's kind of crumbled around him, and he's been injured, and he hasn't been on good teams. So, you know, everybody kind of forgets what he can be. He was a dominant receiver in college. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, he was so fun to watch. I had him as wide receiver one over Odell and Mike Evans. Not over Mike Evans. I had him wide receiver two, I guess. But, I mean, he was so fun to watch. It's, it's hard to explain now because we haven't seen that guy. And his familiarity with um, Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur's offense – makes so much sense to bring him into the fold. I mean, he doesn't have to be your number one wide receiver, but, you know, he would earn time on the field quickly, kind of like Eric Decker, except instead of being 30 years old, he's, what, 24? So, 24, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I, the, the question with me is how long do you sign him? Do you sign him to a three-year deal with, you know, decent money and an ability to get out, or do you risk just saying, okay, we're going to pay you a two-year deal, but you're going to get top 10 wide receiver money for those two years, and then we have a clear out after that. But, I mean, he's going to be better than your fourth wide receiver on your roster any day that he's healthy. So, I don't know. I'm of the, of the point, I'm at the point right now where if I'm looking at the Titans roster, I think we've got pretty decent talent across the board. What we don't have is, you know – dominant stars so any way you can get a guy on the team who could potentially be that i don't really care how much money it takes because money in a cat in a cap driven league where we go up 10 million dollars every year it, it just it's not as important as everybody thinks it's going to be i mean who was the last team that really had to make a tough business decision based on cap i mean i, I can't i mean the detroit lions when they let sue when they let sue go to miami and that was, what, three years ago? So I, I, it just doesn't happen mm-hmm. as often as people want to make it out to be. The cap is not the threat. The threat is having boring football to watch because you have to play Harry <laughs> Douglas. And I'm sorry, Harry Douglas. I like you. I'm sure you're a great person. But if we had Sammy Watkins coming off the bench or as the third wide receiver instead of Harry Douglas, we at least would have the chance at more big plays. So that's how I look at the NFL now As I'm slowly realizing that the cap is more of a make-believe mm-hmm. threat than it is like a real concern. I mean, you look at what the Jacksonville yeah, Jaguars think... have done over the last several years. If they haven't mm-hmm. gone over the cap, then I don't know that it's possible to. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, and let me just uh, go back on Sammy Watkins uh, for a little bit. Um, I actually think he's more the Alshon Jeffrey type um, of signing that you can make. I think maybe you can get him on a one-year deal, and then if it works out, um, you sign him long-term, just like the Philadelphia Eagles did this season with Alshon. Um, a lot of people forget just because he played on the Bills, um, but he's one of the premier big play threats there is at the wide receiver position. He's been over 15 yards per reception in each of his seasons, and that's factoring in... Um, a bunch of Bills quarterbacks that really haven't been good. He did have Tyrod for like a season and a half when Tyrod was was pretty good, um, but he still played with some meh quarterbacks. He was also dealing with a foot injury that never seemed to heal um, until last season. 
Um, and then last season with the Rams, I don't think you can say that he was he was just bad. Uh, I mean, he wasn't incredibly productive, but was the, the offense was completely centered around Todd Gurley, who just had a ridiculous season. And regardless, Sammy Watkins still had eight touchdowns, and he was over 15 yards per reception. So I would I would love to sign him. Yeah, uh, that, those are the, the point about Do- Todd Gurley and that offense is a great point because people are going to point to the one year he's been healthy and say, well, he didn't put up good numbers. Todd Gurley put up fantastic numbers. And when you've got a running back who it's so <laughs> easy to dump the ball down to and he's going to get 10 yards just because he's that much more athletic than linebackers that are covering him, why would you ever test mm-hmm. a wide receiver versus a corner? I mean, mm-hmm. the the thing that is going to mess people up is the simplicity and it's it's – this weird blend of common sense and good routes and just smart play calling that made it so easy to just get him in space when he's that athletic and when, you know, you're not going to put a corner on him. So it's one of those things where you don't, you shouldn't judge Marshall Fox receivers because of the great year he had. And likewise, you shouldn't blame Todd Gurley's receivers when he has one of his great years. So don't, don't think about it like in his first season when he was healthy that he didn't get the numbers you thought he would. Think about it in that he was just in a freak offense, which happened to put up the most points in the league last year, and that was because they understood how to run the ball through to Hot Gurley. So that, that's something that's going to get on my nerves as we go along, especially if the Titans do sign Sammy Watkins, because the Titans are the team that if he goes here, the national media is going to say, well, they paid they paid him eight million dollars a year, ten million dollars a year, and he only got six hundred yards last year. When they don't really understand the broader scope of the whole thing, but if, if he goes somewhere yeah. like the Patriots or Dallas or so, somewhere like that, they won't stop talking about what kind of potential he has. So it, that will frustrate me. But I'm glad you put that in that kind of scope. I know a um, friend of the podcast, Brickwall Blitz, actually. Um, did, did a thread on Watkins um, and how he was used in the offense. Um, and he was used a lot as a deep threat. Um, but if you go if you go through his profile right now, you, it won't take you long to get to that thread. Um, and pretty much Sammy Watkins was open all the time last season, and Goff was missing him very, very consistently. So yeah. if, you want, if you want to feel at ease with uh, Sammy Watkins, go ahead and, and do that. Yeah. Well, um, I think we kind of hit everything. I mean, unless there's anything else you guys want to hit on before we head out before free agency starts, it's hard to believe that we are uh, as close as we are to free agency. Yeah, I don't have much to add. Just uh, never Jarvis Landry. That's it. (laughs) Never Jarvis Landry. It's like um, in the movie – Draft day, you know, they say Fonte Mack, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, it, it's this that kind of situation, I believe. No matter what, that was no Corey Davis what. last year. Corey yeah. Davis, no matter yeah. what. Um, also, I think is that Chadwick Bozeman that plays that character, the guy who plays Black Panther? Eventually? Yes, now that I'm thinking about yeah. it, that's weird. Um, he, he really made it in spite of some adversity. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. so, uh, well, one thing I want to say before we go is. Um, I keep and not not insiders or anything like that. But if you follow a lot of beat writers and stuff on Twitter, and a lot of people talking about it, 
the, the thing that keeps coming up every time the Titans free agency is mentioned is how they're going to have to pay Lawan and Mariota in the future. And I keep hearing Lawan's name and I keep hearing Lawan's name. I, I would not be shocked if John Robinson's quote unquote big move in free agency is two days before free agency starts, they announce that they have a seven year extension with Taylor Lawan. So it's something yeah. huge hmm. where it's that. I mean, I mean, the Cowboys did seven years with Tyron Smith. So that I means right. Mm-hmm. That's and, not and unheard Taylor of. Lewan, Taylor Lewan is young. He's athletic, but he wins with technique too. He he's not had a lot of injury. He had that one shoulder thing, but he's been real tough. He's at season ticket things. I mean, he he is clearly a big part of the franchise. He knows he's good. John Robinson knows he's good, and they know that there's going to be a bigger deal out on the table for him in this market. And I'm sure John Robinson wants to get ahead of all these free agent contracts that he's going to see this year and next year. So this seems like the perfect time to throw out a ton of money and just say, you know, it looks it looks like a lot of money now, but we're going to make you a top three. I mean, is that fair? It seems fair to me. Make him the third highest paid tackle on, in the market, you know, and say we're going to make you that for the next seven years and, you know, do do that contract magic that you have to do where you kind of got outs at the end of that, but do that. And so by the time when he would have hit free agency, it's actually a top 10 contract instead of a top three contract. Cause that's just the way it goes. And in the meantime, you've kept one of your best players happy. You yeah. kept a guy who's the locker room in order, happy who, you know, is kind of the example of what Mike Vrabel and John Robinson stand for. It, it it doesn't make any sense not to just back up the Brinks truck for him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, free agency next week. It, it you know the off season has never, to me anyway, felt as short as it has. Like it's hard for me to believe that we're already done with the combine and that t- the tampering period is like five days from now. It, yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Will, we don't know if you'll be with us next time. Uh congratulations. Um Will Will um, Will will be a father on the next episode of the Titan Size Podcast. His baby will be named yes. Mariota Lawan Lomas. Yeah, that's it. That's weird that, you <laughs> that. that is spot on. Um <laughs> I, there's almost a late change to Hercules, but then he didn't run the three so we scrapped that. Uh Until next time, uh, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. We will be back sometime next week to talk about free agency and and what will, whatever the Titans do, I'll leave with this. Whatever the Titans do, you will not be happy. So I'll leave (laughs) you with that. We'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.